This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. When this idea was presented to me, I took it as a bit of a challenge because I deal with a lot of things in my life and a lot of things are not always so easy to just smile about and be like, yeah, everything's great and everything's wonderful. So I'm taking this on as my own personal video for the next month to see how I myself can respond to this. And when I was thinking about why it is that some people me included, have oftentimes a hard time just focusing on the idea of just being totally besimcha. It came down for me to like three concepts, okay? So I want to share these concepts with you today, and hopefully we can learn a very practical understanding of how to live our lives with a little bit more um, fulfillment and wholesomeness, and yes, maybe even a little bit of happiness. We're good? Bracha B, we're good? Yeah? Okay, very good. So here we go. You ready? Here's the idea. So... The first concept I want to share with you is based on a story that you all know, but there's a piece of the story that I recently discovered, which made a lot of the story fall into place for me. So as you're all familiar, um, there was a man named Avram Avinu, and he had a nephew named Lot, right? Lot. Light, as they say in yeshiva world, or Lot for you guys, yeah? So Lot. Now Lot, after Lot went to Sodom, yeah, we'll do the O's today. As Lot went to Sodom. So the story goes that the Malachim came and they decided that they're going to destroy Sodom, right? And Lot, we know very famously, Mama, he waited, he tried to like gather up all his belongings. And then he goes running out of the city with his two daughters. And what happens is that he heads out to the mountains, right? And there on the mountains, his two daughters ultimately conceive two nations, right? Ammon and Moab. Now, why is that? So when we're kids, we're taught that Lot, when he was by the mountains, what happened was he thought, or his kids thought, everybody thought that the world was over. And therefore they said to themselves, you know what? The world is over. There's nobody left. Game over. What are we going to do? So they all started panicking and like they sort of just like had no idea like what to do. So it's brought down that, you know, they made the decisions that they made on that mountaintop. But Chazal say, the measure says that actually the the Malachim, they told Lot specifically that Avram Avinu was alive. And they told Lot, they said, Lot, go to Avram. He's still alive. And the Medrash says that he didn't. Why didn't he? Because he remembered years before when Avraham told him, he parade na me'alai. Go away from me. So if you remember the story, right? Avraham goes lech lecha, he leaves. Who goes along with him? Lot goes with him, right? Then finally, Avram says, you know what? My shepherds, your shepherds, you guys are stealing. I don't want my sheep to be, you know, exposed, my shepherds to be exposed. And Avram says to Lot, he pardoned me, like, go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Lot ends up going to the city of Sodom. So Avram rejects Lot. He tells Lot, it's time for you to leave. Nevertheless, when Sodom is captured, when the, when the battle of the four kings and the five kings, Avram comes to the rescue and he saves Lot, Right? Now, it's years later, the whole Sodom is destroyed. Lot is sitting on a mountaintop. The whole place is destroyed, right? And he's told Avram Avinu is alive. Go to Avram Avinu. But he doesn't go. Why doesn't he go? Because he remembered Avraham telling him, he go away from me. So I ask you a question. Avram told him to go away when? Years before right? When his shepherds were stealing, he said, hey, time for you to leave. Go away from me. 
Now Lot is remembering the words, he parried Namayalai, you should, I should leave you. That's what he's remembering now. Avram, of course, would welcome him back with open arms. So I want to tell you a, I think this is such an awesome chiddush. You know, like when you think of something on your own, it's, of course, it's good. I, I was thinking about this over Shabbos a couple of weeks ago, and this idea just struck, struck home for me. Lot was not thinking to himself that Avram told him, he pardoned me, leave me, and I never want to see you again. Because he knew that Avraham loved him because Avram came to save him with the battle of the four kings and the five kings. So what was Lot feeling? Lot was feeling rejection. Lot was feeling rejection. Avraham rejected Lot many years before. He said to Lot, it's time for you to leave. You're, you're, People, your, your sharecroppers, your shepherds, they're stealing. I don't want my shepherds to be around your shepherds. Please leave. Avram had the most legitimate reason to reject Lot. But Lot felt rejected. And because he felt rejected, when he was sitting on the mountaintop, the Medra says he remembered the words, he parred Namelai. Didn't mean that he remembered that he was not welcome. He knew he was welcome, but he still felt rejected. And because he felt rejected, he decided not to go back to Avraham. And because of that, there were two nations that were born, Ammon and Moab. They were created because of a feeling of rejection years before. And I'm going to tell you the, the, the concept, the thought that struck me in my mind. How many of you have seen people who they make fun of like Russia Yeshiva or Rabbanim or wealthy people? They go, who wealthy guy right they like say these things like who's this wealthy guy to like decide that he has a day about this and that or who's this Rosh Hashiva and who's this rub like people become very negative about certain people why because most of the reason why most of us feel negative or negative feelings is because of our own insecurities Lot felt insecure he felt rejection and therefore that feeling stayed with him for years later, even though it was predicated on a valid idea. Avram Avinu had 100% right to tell Lot to go where he wanted to go. Listen, you made a lot of money. You, you have a lot of cattle. You're stealing things. Please just separate from me. Nevertheless, Lot felt that rejection. And the entire course of history was changed because of that feeling of insecurity. And the idea that I was thinking was that most people, if you, if you think about why you're not happy, like if I say like, what's your struggles? What are you dealing with? What are you, why are you so depressed? Why are you down? Why are you so despondent today? Ask that to most people. You know what their answer usually is? The reason they're down? Oh, I'm down because it's usually some form of insecurity. My boss yelled at me, or I don't know if I could pass this class in school, or I, I'm dating somebody and it's like so stressful. It's usually somebody else. We're focused on somebody else and that's making us feel a little bit down about ourselves. But if we would take a moment to focus on our own self-esteem, to realize that we have amazing God-given talents, the accomplishments that we have, the abilities that we have, and we would stop focusing on other people, the amount of simple that we would have on a daily basis would be exponential. It would just go through the roof if we would just simply stop focusing on anybody else. Other people tend to cause us 
so much of our melancholy mood, our downness. And we walk into shul and we're like, oh, we're all down. Why are you so down? Eh, business, friends, family, parents, sisters, everybody. It's always somebody else. If we could just focus on ourselves, we would be so besimcha at just looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, I could see, I could walk, I could talk, I could draw, I can act, I can sing. I have so many things that I have to be thankful for. And if we would remember that for just one second every day, the amount of simcha that we would have would just be unbelievable. And what's the makar? What's the source of all that? Hashem first, right? It comes from Hashem saying, where does everything come from? If we just remember that the makar of all the bracha is, uh, it comes from Hashem, how amazing is that idea? That was the first concept that I wanted to share with you. The second idea is a bit of a story, okay? So I hope you'll indulge me as I go back in time about, about 12 or 13 years ago. So there is a man who lives in Yerushalayim. His name is Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shachter. He's a Makobol. <coughs> Excuse me. He's a Makobol. Lives in Yerushalayim. A bit of an older man um, who people go to for brachas. And there's a lot of very spooky, interesting stories with Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shachter. Many people go to him for brachas. So when I was living in Eretz Yisrael, I decided that I was not going to be one of those people who was running to various, you know, Mikubalim and things. I really, I was thinking of going. I heard a lot of stories about him, but I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go. It's, it's, not, it's not for me. I'm not going to go. One day, somebody called me up and said, did you hear about this man, Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shachter? I said, yeah. They said, okay, there's somebody who's sick. They were just diagnosed with Yanamacha. They want to know if you could go into him, not for anything spooky, just go into him just for like a bracha, just, go, just to go to him. Okay. So I went, I went, I went to him and you make an appointment, you show up, let's say they say come at 7.30, show up at 7.30. Now my Yiddish and my Hebrew is kind of rusty, right? It's not really that great. So I came there and I like, didn't know what to expect. This is really like a little bit out of my wheelhouse. So I came, I said, okay, with no expectation, I'll go in, ask for a bracha and that's it. Now the way that the room is set up, is you're sort of standing in like uh, like an area, like the room before the room. And inside Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter's room, there's like a long table, and he was sitting at the head of the table. So they told me, whoever you're here for, just write down the name on a kvittel, and when you go over to the room, you'll just go in and you'll present him the kvittel, and he'll daven for the person, and that's how this works. I said, okay, that sounds great. No problem. I don't have to say anything. They said, no, you don't have to say anything. I said, okay, this I could handle. I don't have to talk. I don't have to say a word. Just have to walk in, hand him the paper. That I could do. Anyways, I'm standing by the entrance to the room, to the door. And there's maybe another five or six people standing with me. And these people were there like ahead of me. Like they had like their turn before mine. But we're all watching the person before us go in and their interaction with Rabbi Akumir Shechter. So the first person walks in. And as he's walking close to Rabbi Akumir Shechter, Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter says to him, in Yiddish, he says, stick out your hand. So the guy sticks out his hand, and Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter takes this person's hand, and you see that he's like looking in the person's hand, like he's like reading his hand. And the person is standing there, and you see he's like not saying one word, and Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter is just talking to him. And you see he's talking and talking and talking, can't hear him. You see Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter is talking. This person is just standing there with his hand out. And then the person like he gets a bracha, he walks out of the room and then you hear him from behind you making a phone call. And he says to the person on the phone, he says, 
you're not going to believe what he said. He said that I'm going to find my zivug in a few weeks. And he said that my sister is expecting a baby. And like this person just going on and on about things that Rabbi Yaakov Shachter had said. So, okay, that was the first person. And then I see the second person goes in and he sticks out his hand. And the third person sticks out his hand. And the fourth person sticks out his hand. Everybody's going in and they're sticking out their hand. And when they leave, they go behind me and they're all making phone calls saying things like, Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shechter said this and he said this and he said the baby's going to get better and he said this. And I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. So by the time it came from my turn, I was like a little nervous because that was not what the Gabbai told me. The Gabbai said, you walk in with your kvittal, you hand it to him and that's it. And everybody else walked in and he just asked them to stick out their hand. So by the time it came to my turn, I was getting a little nervous and I said, okay, I'm ready to go. I walk into the room and as I'm walking up to him, I stick out my hand, right? Because that's what everybody's doing. I stick out my hand. And Rabbi Yaakov Meir turns to me and he says, you, you're not here for yourself. You didn't come for yourself. You came for somebody else, right? And I said, yeah. So he says, so then put away your hand. You're not here for yourself. You're here for someone else. I don't need to see your hand. Let me see the person you're here for. So I was like, well, well, once I'm here, right, can I, can I, you know, like, I don't know what you do with the hand, but like, can I stick out my hand? And he says, no, you're not here for yourself. You'll come back a different time for yourself. But for now, you're here for somebody else. Let's only focus on that person. I said, fine. So I gave him, I gave him my kvittal and he looks at it and it just says a name on it. And he looks at it and he goes, oh, this person needs a rufus lema. I said, yeah. Now this person was thinking of pushing off the surgery. And I didn't even say one word, but Yakumir Shekhtar says, I see they're thinking of pushing, the, pushing off the surgery. Tell them it's a very bad idea. They shouldn't do that. They should go ahead with the surgery. They shouldn't be worried. Everything's going to be wonderful and everything's going to be great. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, can I, can I stick out my hand again? He says, no, you'll come back a different time. And okay, so I, I left. And I was like, whoa, okay, very surreal experience. I called the person, Baruch Hashem, they went to the surgery. Everything was, was successful. The doctors had said that it could have been if they would have pushed it off, there would have been unforeseen complications that they wouldn't have seen before. And everything was wonderful. A while later, about a year later, I get a phone call from somebody else. And they said that they were having certain trouble with somebody in their family, and they had asked if I could go to Rabbi Yaakov Shafter for a bracha. I said, okay. So I was like very excited. I get to go back. I go back to Rabbi Yaakov Shafter. Same exact story re- repeats itself. I'm standing by the door. I see everybody coming in. They're all sticking out their hand. They're sticking out their hand. They're sticking out their hand. It comes to me. I walk in. I have this person's name on a piece of paper. And before, as I'm walking up, I stick out my hand. And he looks at me and he, he, he just went like this. He goes, nah, like, you're not here for yourself, right? He says, you're not here for yourself, right? You're here for somebody else. I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, so then put away your hand. And he looks at the paper. And again, he started telling me a lot of things about this person and how they should deal with it and everything. And he said, you, a different time, you'll come back for yourself. I said, but I'm here. He says, no, you'll come back at a different time for yourself. I said, okay, fine. So then I left. And then about a year later, I said, you know what? It's been about a year since I went to Rabbi Yaakov Let me go back one more time. So I know you're all thinking like, does this man see girls? Like, how does this work? How do next time we go to Eretz Yisrael? Um, so anyways, I, I, the next time, about a year later, I decided, you know what? I'm going back. So this time I'm going for myself. Now, there was somebody else who had um, a, a complication with something and they heard that I was going. So they said, once you're going for yourself, can I give you a name for somebody? I said, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, so I took the person's name and I wrote it down and I went to Rachman Shafa. And this time standing by the door, Everybody's going in. They're sticking out their hands, sticking out their hands, sticking out their hands. And by me, when it came time for me to go in, I started walking in and I was holding this paper with somebody else's name. So I said, you know what? Before I go in and they talks about me, 
let me give him this paper, at least with this other person. So as I'm walking up to him, um, he says to me, he says, stick out your hand. As I'm walking, he says, stick out your hand. So I said, okay, but before I stick out my hand, I have a name of a person. I came here, you know, he says, no, you didn't come here for them. You came here for yourself. So give, now it's time for, to, talk, to, to talk to you about you. So I said, what about this other person? He says, it's not for now. Now you're here. Now it's time to talk to you. So I said, fine. Stuck out my hand. Rebecca Schechter must be in his 90s. He has actually a black beard, but he's, he's a Zakein. He's a very old man. And he takes my hand in his hand and he looks down at my hand like he's reading it. Mamash like a book. Okay. So he takes my hand and he's reading it like a book. And his head is like down by my chest and my hand is like, he's reading it and he's talking and he's telling me things and he's saying this and he's saying this, a whole bunch of things, things that are not common knowledge, things that, I don't know, he's just saying things. And as he's saying these things, he said one thing, which threw me off. He said, I see that there's something bothering you about something, you know, whatever it is. And uh, you don't really have to be so worried about it, but you should just know that I see that it's really bothering you. And as he said that, I was thinking to myself, I don't think there's anything bothering me. My life is pretty good. You know, like, so I, like his head was down and I, I like, I made a face, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't think anything's bothering me, you know, I don't know. Like I made a face. Now he wasn't looking at me. He was looking at my hand. And as he's reading my hand, he, he, must have sensed something. And he goes, which means in Yiddish, do you think I'm lying? So I said, lying about, about what? He says, you, like, you don't believe me when I said that something's bothering you, right? So I, I said, well, to be honest, I, I, I don't think anything's bothering me. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay. And he said, he said in Yiddish, he said, Dein hent your hand doesn't lie is altsta everything is here this is what he said to me he says is altsta everything is here there's i'm not lying he says everything is here and he looked up at me and he said something's bothering you go home think about it address it and then it will go away but i'm telling you that this thing is bothering you okay so I, I left. I was very, like, very surprised because I came in. I was I'm like, I'm the happiest guy in the world. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And Ryakimir Schefter is telling me that something's bothering me. What's bothering me? Nothing's bothering me. I come home and I told my wife, you know, the whole story. And we had like a long conversation. And the more we were talking, the more like it came out like, yeah, maybe I was a little bit apprehensive about, you know, making a decision about moving back from Eretz Yisrael to America. And like, the more we started talking things out, the more like I started to realize like, yeah, you know, like I really was a little bit like, you know, not so great on this idea, even though in my mind or my, you know, like when I come in, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He sort of picked up that there was something a little deeper than this. And what struck me is that there's a fascinating idea something that was picked up on by a doctor named Dr. David Sarno, a concept that a lot of people, we tend to run away from most of our problems. We tend to live in a world where we don't like to be uncomfortable. So we're not uncomfortable. 
we live our lives however we live our lives. And if you ask the average person, how's your day going? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Everybody's Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, perfect. Baruch Hashem, amazing. Baruch Hashem, everything's great. But a lot of times we harbor deep down within ourselves certain things. You could be nervous about a shadach. You could be nervous about a test. You could be nervous about anything. You could be nervous about your parents. You could be nervous about anything in the world. But we're so pre-programmed to run away from anything that feels uncomfortable that the minute it starts to feel uncomfortable, we just go, no, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. Everything's good, everything's wonderful, everything's great. But dein hent lignest, your hand doesn't lie. Your heart lignest, your heart doesn't lie. Your, your, your backache, you know, it's there. Your headache is there. Like, it, it's all there. Everything is there. It, 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 it's lignest, meaning... If we're real with ourselves, if we dealt with ourselves, if we really tackled the things that gave us a little bit of like apprehension or nerves, and we said to our emotions, thank you for being nervous about this test. Because without you, I wouldn't see the enormity of this test. But I got this. I'm able to deal with this. If we're able to develop that, to become a little bit uncomfortable to become a little bit comfortable with the uncomfortable, then what happens is there's a concept in simcha kahataras There's no simcha like getting rid of doubt or clearing things out or working things through. A lot of people, they're so great, they're so wonderful, everything is baruch Hashem, baruch Hashem, baruch Hashem, baruch Hashem. They're never really dealing with anything. If you take a moment to actually deal with your life, you'll find that you're able to clear out a lot of those stuck emotions, those emotions that just get us negative and get us feeling down. What's bothering you? I don't know. You ever have those days where you're just crying and someone's like, why are you crying? You're like, I don't know, I don't know. You can't even like identify what's wrong. You're just like, ah, you're just out. If you take a moment to like clear it out, you feel so much lighter, so much better, so much happier. Do you know what the olden day Musser movement was? We tend to think of the Musser movement like you're sitting down with like Svarim and like creaking right in the Surya. Oh, maybe I found that I have too much Gaiva. Oh, maybe I found that I have too much Taiva. Maybe I find that I have too much Lashon Hara. That was not at all what Musser was. You know what the old Musser movement was? It was a base Musser, a house of Musser. You know what was inside this house? Nothing. The house was in the middle of the forest. There was nothing in the house. You went out into the house and you had a conversation with yourself. You spoke to yourself and you said, how am I doing? What's bothering me? What's keeping me down? What can make me bigger? What can make me better? We don't, we, even when we're in the shower, we're blasting our music. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't even have a second to think with our own thoughts. But if we took a moment to like go through our day, Yes, you're nervous about something. Good. You should be nervous about this thing. You should be nervous about dating. You should be nervous about getting engaged. You should be nervous about your wedding because you need to realize the enormity of it. But once you've realized it and you've come to a conclusion about what it is that's holding you back from being such a, like those colors that are just on cloud nine, like what's holding you back? Because I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you know? Why don't you know? I sit with girls every night. Right. And, I, and they call me, up. I'm engaged. I'm panicking. I don't know what you don't know. You have to know. You have to take a minute to talk to yourself, to identify what's bothering you. 
And you'll find that the more you become comfortable with the uncomfortable, you will actually be more comfortable because the things in your life that you don't even know why you're crying and you don't know why you're down, they start to clear up, which brings me to the third idea. Third idea is a simple idea, is that we all know when we're children, we're, we're taught from when we're kids, Everything Hashem does is always for the good. And we're taught, Hashem created a world filled with chesed. What is this chesed that we could one day just, just, just have a connection to Hashem? Lis Hashem, right? We sing the songs, We're like so excited. Like that's our song, right? We're singing our brains out. Yeah? So one day we're going to find out how good everything was. And what about now? What about now? Oh, now I'm so stressed. Now, one day I'll find out why this test was good for me. One day I'll find out why this sickness was good for me. One day I'll find out why COVID was good for me. One day I'll find out why my parents were good for me. One day I'll find out why my family was good for me. One day I'll find out why my shidduch was good for me or my broken shidduch or my divorced sister or somebody that fell down a flight. One day I'll find out and then I'll be happy. Then you'll be happy? Why can't we be happy today? If we live with real emuna, that kalma the avid rachmana letav avid, everything Hashem does is for the good, and we really truly believe that, we have to wait to die, to pass away, to come up there, and Hashem says, "By the way, you lived your whole life so down when everything was so good, and you didn't recognize it. That where was your emuna? No, it was there. I paid lip service. I said the right words. That's not ifdu as Hashem b'simcha." Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha is recognizing that Hashem is the makar habracha. And when you say the words, and this is what I hope that we can take on for the next month. When you say the words, Baruch Ata Hashem, we are not saying, blessed are you Hashem. We are saying, Hashem, you are the makar habracha. You are the makar habracha. You, Hashem, are all good. Everything in my life is good. It is good. It can't be better because there's a plan that you, Hashem, know about. You're eating rice. Hashem, you have sustained 25 generations of people in China who do nothing but pick rice all day so it could end up on my plate. So for one second, I can recognize how awesome and amazing you are. That's why 25 generations of people live in China for me to recognize for one second. For one second. Wow. That's a bracha. But we don't do that. We fly through it. Oh, everything's really for good. Everything's really for good. I don't know how, but I'm so depressed. I'm going to cry right now. If we take a moment to just recognize that everything in life is good. It is good. We recognize that we don't have to focus on everybody else because they cause us to feel insecure. Like Lot felt insecure. And that changed the whole course of history by Abraham making Lot feel slightly insecure. Lot said, I'm not going back there. I remember the rejection. Lot focused on Abraham and that changed the course of history. If we stop focusing on other people, we focus on our own abilities, our own self-esteem, we build it up and we start becoming a little bit more comfortable with the uncomfortable and actually dealing with our issues, actually dealing with things that are a little bit uncomfortable. And we thank our emotions. Thank you so much. 
for making me nervous because I needed to know that this is an important milestone in my life. When you do that enough times, you will start to serve Hashem b'simcha. You will start to recognize that Hashem is the makar habracha and simcha doesn't necessarily mean, and I'm saying this more for myself than for anybody else. I'm saying this more for myself than for anybody else. You don't have to be sugar who's melting in the rain. You don't have to walk around all day just smiling. Everything's great. Everything's great. The idea of being besimcha simply means that I know and I recognize that everything is for good. Somebody's asking a question. Is, is there, isn't there such a thing as having a day when you're in a down mood just because it's a down day and not because of something else? Sure. Of course. Of course. And then you bounce back. We're not malachim. We struggle. Everything that Chazal tell us to do is a, is, is a struggle for us, is a challenge for us. It's not automatic. Chazal don't tell us that we should just breathe. That's too easy. What do Chazal tell us to do? They tell us you have to do things which are going to be challenging for you, an avayda for you. This is not easy stuff. This is an avayda. But if you have the tools to do it, if you, if you take a minute to incorporate any of these tools into your life, you'll find that it becomes much easier. So one more time, I want to thank the anonymous woman behind Hashem first. And if we can recognize any of these ideas, and we should stop focusing on other people, becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable, and the idea that Hashem is the Makara Bracha, don't wait for 120 years to start figuring out why everything was amazing. Start appreciating it today. You will find, Mirz Hashem, that the Bracha flows into your life, that the Shefa flows into your life, and that it's just so much more enjoyable to live a life where you're smiling than where you're depressed. You guys are amazing because this is like a Sunday afternoon. You guys just like got nothing else to do but figure out like how do we put Hashem first in our life. So thank you all for joining. Thank you to Mrs. Anonymous for arranging this. So you guys all should really be benched. And uh, please include me again in this, either as a speaker or as a spectator. Thank you so much. Take care. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.